Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austinite. My name is Frances Duncan. I am an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host today is my good friend, Chan. Good evening. And today we are discussing Chapter 13 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. This is kind of an in-between chapter and helps the family at Upper Cross go to Lyme to be with Louisa. And then she goes to stay with Lady Russell. And then she and Lady Russell pay the Crofts a visit at Callanch Hall, which used to be her home and is now their home. Because this is the start of volume two. And the first thing that I've noted is, I wonder if Jane Austen knew that this is where it would be cut. Because, of course, she wasn't involved in the editing. This was published posthumously. So we don't know whether she had made a note that this is where she wanted it cut between volume one and volume two or not. Obviously, they're back from line, but they haven't yet gone for Bath. So it could have been just as convenient to have actually started part two at the end of this chapter, because that's when she's off to Bath. I suppose it's a time of reflection, isn't she? She's on her own. She's getting rid of everybody. So it's putting distance between her and Captain Wentworth and seeing their that budding relationship, or not so budding relationship, the assumed relationship coming through. It is interesting to know whether they actually had a set number of pages per part, for example. I think it's reasonably in the middle. We start off the chapter with... Anne finding herself extremely useful, and we know how much she loves to be useful. It's an effective way for her to avoid her thoughts. When she's on her own, she has that introspection, doesn't she? That being useful is, is very much something that appeals to her character. So she's finding herself useful just being at Uppercross and supporting the family, but then she kind of works out that they will want to go to Lyme and organises them off to Lyme. She's the most organising female you could ever hope. The rest of them are just full of melodrama. They don't know what to do. I know. Mary is hysterical again in Lyme, which I think is just because she's not the centre of attention. Yes. And Anne organises for their nanny to go to Lyme. Which is such a sensible idea. Which is so sweet of the Musgroves to keep the nanny because she's in her deserted nursery. Mm. I love that little phrase about to mend stockings and dress all the blains and bruises she could get near her. She still wants to do her job as a nanny. And was only too happy to be allowed to go and help nurse dear Louisa. It seems like everyone has quietly told Anne they want to go to Lyme. And then she's gone, okay, so now I have to convince them as a whole that they should actually go. The vague wishes of getting Sarah thither had occurred before, but without Anne, nothing would have been resolved. They'd have still all been wishing. And she sends them off and leads her to the solitary range of the house. The other thing that struck me, though, is Charles Hayter is another one who's obviously a man of action. He's also there providing the support by going back and forth and giving them the news. I think it's also very important for him that Henrietta is still up across, so he wants to do what he can for her. It's also noted that the little boys are still at the cottage. They've been abandoned by their parents. <laughs> and Anne looks forward to a few months hence in the room now so deserted, occupied by her silent, pensive self, might be filled again with all that was happy and gay, all that was glowing and bright and prosperous love. All that was most unlike Anne Elliot. Because she's comparing what the rooms used to be like when all the Musgroves were there and Captain Wentworth and all the fun they're having and then just her by herself. And it's a little bit depressing. She looks back on her relationship with Captain Wentworth. Sensations of pain once severe were now softened with some instances of relenting feeling, some breathings of friendship and reconciliation 
which could never be looked for again and which could never cease to be dear. So she thinks she's completely lost him. And she's just full of gratitude that there isn't the bitterness of spirit that there was before. On his side, he seems to have recovered. So she recognises she had a chance. She feels that she's had a chance and she lost it, but she doesn't hold it against him. She's a very forgiving woman. And goes back to Callanch, the Lady Russell's house, and says it's the first time she's been back mm. to Callanch since she left with her family. She may contrive to evade and escape <laughs> from every visit there. Yes. And, and it says she resumes her place in her apartments at. Um, the lodge which makes me wonder why doesn't she just live with Lady Russell because she's of use she knows she's of use to her father and Elizabeth short of becoming Lady Russell's companion which is essentially a step down would her father have permitted you know it would have had to have been done quite delicately and you, you also get the feeling that Lady Russell's not one for doing things which is not Properly sanctioned? Yes, and appropriate. So she sort of makes the use of her as a as a regular visitor instead. Lady Russell thinks that Anne's looks have improved. And no one thinks it's because of Captain Wentworth. But she doesn't want to think it's because of Captain Wentworth. Anne, in receiving her compliments on the occasion, had the amusement of connecting them with the silent admiration of her cousin. Can't forget Mr Elliot. And of hoping that she was to be blessed the second spring of youth and beauty that's the bit i'm not sure of is that is that anne thinking I that think it's anne. so they've got lots to catch up on and there's a little bit of awkwardness about captain wentworth until anne mentions that louisa and captain wentworth are a thing lady russell has the most beautiful response <laughs> internally her heart reveled in angry pleasure and pleased contempt <sighs> such a hypocrite that the man who at 23 had seemed to understand somewhat of the value of an Anne Elliot should eight years afterwards be charmed by a Louisa Musgrove. And we talked about this using the actual article. It's really thinking of a type. Rather than the persons yes. themselves. Lady Russell says we need to go and visit the cross. And Anne doesn't shrink from it, which is interesting. And I don't know what's changed because before she wanted to evade and escape. Is it because Captain Wentworth's not there? She knows he's at line? And she's put him behind her. Whether she would have felt quite the same if he'd been there when she was there, visiting is another matter. But definitely she feels safe to go. She likes the cross. She's met the cross. Oh, it's lovely, her relationship with the cross. Mm. She's always met with a kindness from Mrs. Croft, which gave her the pleasure of fancying herself a favourite. Mm. I love that. Especially because, as we know, they're going to be sisters. And such a different sister. Actually one that deserves her. She loves the Crofts being the house and she feels that they were gone who deserved not to stay and Callant had passed into better hands than its owners, which is a huge thing for her to say. This is her family estate. I actually think she would have believed that anyway. She knew that her father wasn't really doing a good job on the estate, anything more than he had to. Well, he was running it into the ground, wasn't he? And he was leaving her. Elizabeth was leaving her to do all the lady of the house duties in terms of the tenants and and that, the visiting of the sick and so forth. Whereas I'm sure she would know that Mrs Croft would be filling those duties very admirable. So the Crofts are very happy to see her. Lady Russell isn't that impressed with Admiral Croft, but Anne 
really appreciates his goodness of heart and simplicity of character. Mm. We've made a few changes. We've made these improvements to make life easier. And the interesting thing is the improvements he's making is to make life easier for the servants, which, of course, Sir Walter wouldn't have thought about. He wouldn't have even been aware of it. And Mr. Shepard thinks it's the greatest improvement the house ever had. Mr. Shepard continues to be a suck-up. He really is, isn't he? Anne is laughing at her father. She's amused in spite of herself at the story about the many, many mirrors in her father's (laughs) dressing room. I've done very little besides sending away some of the large-looking glasses from my dressing room. I should think he must be a rather dressy man for his time of life. (laughs) Such a number of looking glasses. There's no getting away from oneself. (laughs) And so there he is, he's left with his little shaving glass in one corner and another that he never goes near. (laughs) I love the idea of that, like him catching sight of himself and going, oh, and avoiding it. The crofts are about to go away. So Lady Russell and Anne won't see them again before they go to Bath. That's right, because they're off to see the curate. And so Anne no longer has to worry about meeting with Captain Wentworth. Yes. She smiled over the many anxious feelings she had wasted on the subject. And isn't that the way with anxiety? You worry more about something that never happens. Yes. Everything was safe enough. And that is our summary of Chapter 13 of Persuasion by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. Here's merch of the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo. uh, Some Jane Austen merch. And some Pride and Prejudice Heavily Pride focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!